You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Good morning. Welcome to our weekly broadcast, Taking Territories, Every Nation Midrand. My name is Ryan Eurster. I'm the campus pastor at Every Nation Midrand. And today we're going to be looking at what I entitle Faith to Rise Above <coughs> Excuse me, faith to, faith to Rise Above the Prevailing Situation. Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to look at verse 19, and that's where we're going to get started. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19 reads as follows. It says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light. Hallelujah. That's where we're aiming for. So let's look quickly at the beginning of this verse and see what it says to us. So first of all, the sun shall no longer be your light by day. What that's talking about is that's talking about the natural setup around us. The world, uh, the natural elements, the way the, the, the system works that we live in every day, the way it operates. For everything from the, um, from the atmosphere to the weather to the way society is set up to the way cities are set up, to the way our family functions, the natural world as we know it. Everything that you can see with your eyes, that's what this scripture is, is talking about. And most people, as we know, are bound to this. Most people are stuck to this. Most people can't get out of it. Even if you're born again sometimes, people are limited to the natural world, what they can see and what happens around them. But obviously there's more to it than that. There's more than that. And that's what we trust in God to step into and lay hold of this morning. So the sun shall no longer be your day. In other words, you will no longer be limited by what happens during the day. You will be no longer limited by what happened, happened during daylight hours. Daylight hours are no longer going to define you. Your, day, your life is no longer going to be defined by what happens in the daylight. And secondly, if we look at the next verse, it says exactly the same thing. Hear me well. Your life is no longer going to be defined by what happens at night. And I really felt as I was preparing that, um, you know, obviously this word applies to everyone, but especially this word goes out to people that are having spiritual challenges, especially things taking place at night, because a lot of spiritual things happen at night. So if there's, if there's some things taking place at night which are affecting you, you've been trying for years to get around them, you haven't been able to get around them, haven't been able to get past them, haven't been able to move past them, you've hit a wall and you've just found nowhere forward, then this word is for you. So what we are trusting God for today is to move past the nat natural elements, move past everything we've tried, move past every effort we've put in, move past every wall we've hit, and to engage God as our everlasting light. In other words, the one who can step in and provide whatever's needed supernaturally in any situation. So, before we, before we turn to the scriptures, what I'd like to look at is <clears throat> the word impossible. So, if you look at the dictionary definition of the word impossible, it very simply defines the word impossible as not being not able to occur, not able to exist, not able to be done. So what I want to say very simply 
is if you are facing an impossible situation today, then this word is for you. If there's a situation you've been trying to get past for years, for however long, and you haven't been, get, been able to get past it, this word is for you. Any impossible situation. We're going to lay hold of something higher and we're going to get out of this morning. Get out of it this morning. Hallelujah. So as I said, the word impossible means not able to occur, number one. It means, <clears throat> it means not able to occur, not able to exist, or not able to be done. So if you are looking at yourself and you're saying that there's a situation you're in, there's something that's not possible to be done. You've been trying to get past this thing for ages, trying to overcome it. Something has been facing you, or you've been facing it, or you've been facing each other. Whatever the, whatever, however you want to describe it, there's been a facing that has been going on. And, you, and, it's, and the situation's been shouting at you, or whatever's been speaking to you and saying it cannot be done. This is where you stop. Either in this season or your life in general, this is where you will remain. I will keep you here. If that's been happening to you, then this word is for you today. Furthermore, not able to occur, not able to exist. I'm here to tell you today, if you have been facing a situation and it looks to you like it is not possible for a solution to exist, it is not possible for a solution to occur, it is not possible for a solution to be found in this situation, I'm here to tell you today that is a complete lie. And it doesn't exist. It's not feasible. It's not realistic. It's not rational. Not in the, not in the eyes of God. So there are no impossible situations as far as God is concerned. So if there's any situation and it's been looking to you like it's no way that a way out can occur. I find myself in this season with Corona, whatever it is. There's no way that a way out can occur. I'm telling you today that that is a lie. And I'm going to show you how we're going to do that going forward. So let's look at, let's look at God very quickly. I think he's always a, always a good um, example to, to learn from. So if we look at God concerning impossible situations, let's consider Jesus. Luke chapter 8. We're going to go to, um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 8 from verse 40. If you can just turn there in your Bibles with me. Luke chapter 8 from verse 40. I'm going to read from verse 40. God is no stranger to impossible, hear me very well. God is no stranger to impossible situations. They don't freak him out. They don't, they don't come, they don't get to him unawares. He knew about them before the beginning of time. God is not stressed. It is not possible for a situation to stress God. And we're going to see today how we can lay hold of something that, that we can use to almost pull ourselves up, to rise up above whatever the prevailing global situation, my God, and the prevailing personal situation today is. Amen. Okay, let's have a look very quickly. Luke chapter 8 from verse 40. It says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood 
for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed. That was the testimony of her situation. It wasn't possible. Could not be healed by any. Came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And if you look in um, uh, the book of Mark and the book of Matthew, which also highlight this parable, you'll see that what actually happened was she spent all her livelihood and she actually got worse. So what do we see here? We see two very interesting situations playing out. We see Jesus on the scene, which obviously is the focus of, of most of the four Gospels. We see Jesus on the scene, moving around, affecting people, touching lives, transforming lives. Now we see him faced with a situation. The ruler of the synagogue as you know, weren't very favorable towards him or his disciples. The ruler of the synagogue had come to him and said, look, and he didn't say, look, he came and he probably wept at his feet. And he said, please help. I've got to the end of myself. I don't know how to get progress past this. I don't know what else to do. My daughter is dying. And if you read on, you'll find that, you know, it was the point where she was very close to death. And I mean, it's your daughter, it's your child. And he came to Jesus and said, I need you. I need you to step in. I need you to help. So what happened from there is obviously then they're like, okay, great. Let's move. Um, that's fine. You know, Jesus agreed and he started moving his direction. Then what happened is the multitude thronged him. So they were literally like they were on top of him. They were, you know, they were just there. They were on top of him. He was like pushing through this, this hectic crowd. So what happens is the lady comes and just touches the hem of his garment and um, she gets healed instantly. So now there's this, there's this rush, there's this stress to be, you know, get to, the, get to the synagogue ruler's house. Like you have to get there now. The child is dying. Like, like it's bad. It's really bad. Um, I've come to you, no other solution. And probably the last maybe hour of her life, I mean, it, it's dire. I've come and we need to move. Um, reminds me a bit obviously of Lazarus as well. So it, it's dire. So what happens then? is then this lady comes in and completely scatters this, the, this focused, formal procession going to the ruler of the synagogue's house. They're now going to try and, you know, he's got Jesus' attention. They're going to sort this thing out. Well, that's what the ruler of the synagogue believes. And I guess Jesus knew what he was going to do. But they were going to go and sort this out. And now they're, they're having this one-on-one, backwards and forward discussion. Basically, this lady has delayed everything. Can you imagine? You're the ruler of the synagogue. Like it's crisis at home. And now Jesus is having a discussion. He wants to hear the testimony of some lady in the crowd. Can you imagine? Anyway, I'm sure I can't imagine what his emotions were doing. But those are the dynamics that were playing out in this situation. But here's what it was. God was at work. He wanted to deal with my God. He wanted to deal with two impossible situations at the same time. So what happened was Jesus, Jesus spoke to him and said, yes, okay, we'll come. So they started moving towards his house. They went in that direction. And <clears throat> they went in that direction. After they're moving that direction, this lady comes on the scene, touches the hem of his garment, gets healed, and now he needs to give her some attention. So he's engaging with her. And he's saying, to her, okay, what happened? Um, who are you? What's going on? And he wants to have this whole story. So now what happens is at that moment, while they're busy engaging, News comes and the ruler of the synagogue, um, his daughter is now dead. They've said, don't worry the teacher anymore. Your daughter, I'm sorry, you know, you tried, you know, we tried, whatever. We told you to come sooner or we told you not to go at all. Don't bother with this Jesus, whatever they said. But basically, um, she's, she's now dead. So please don't bother the teacher anymore. 
and we can move on from it. And Jesus says a very interesting thing. And this is what I want to focus on. And we're going to get there in a minute. I'd like to touch on quickly, how did we end up at this point with the lady? It's very simple. Something Pastor Eric's um, um, uh, mentioned before. So she came and she obviously believed that when she touched the hem of his garment, she was going to get healed. She believed that somehow from somewhere. Now, if you, be, if you read the book of uh, Matthew and the book of Mark, I think it's Mark chapter um, uh, 9 and Matthew chapter 5. You read those two accounts of the same story. It says, she said to herself, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And Pastor Eric expounded a couple of weeks ago and he was saying, look, what she was saying was she kept saying to herself. So she'd received the word from God and she was saying and she kept saying. She didn't stop. She kept saying because that was the word she received. She received, listen, if you touch the hem of his garment, you'll be healed. That's all she had. So she kept encouraging herself, kept declaring it, kept speaking it. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. That's what she did. She was in an impossible situation and she heard something. It could have been... Um, maybe she'd listened to Jesus preach somewhere. Maybe she'd had a second-hand account. Someone had, she, one of her friends had gone somewhere because she wasn't really, allowed, she wasn't allowed out at all. So one of her friends had maybe gone out and come and shared her. Look, I heard this person Jesus, or people are talking about this person Jesus, and here's some of the things which she said. So from that, there was a word that she got, a word, a rhema word. Something stood out for her. Essentially, she received the word from God. And that word was, if you touch the hem of his garment, even though it doesn't make sense, if you touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. That was her word. So she took, put aside all social protocol, put her life on the line. If you read the history, you'll understand. And she went to go and touch the hem of his garment. She went to be obedient to the word she'd received. The, the ruler of the synagogue was similar. You see, what, what happened is, you, you'll read here, um, Let's have a look. We're looking at verse 50. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, listen to this. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Only believe and she will be made well. What happened? Now, here's the powerful thing. What happened is that situation which played out with the lady and the healing and, the, you know, touching the garment and all of that. That situation gave the synagogue ruler the faith to be able to continue. Probably what would have happened is when they were on the way, the child would have died anyway. My God. And then he would have been like, you know what? I tried. And he probably would have given up, walked away. Who knows what would have happened? But basically, even though that situation looked like an imposition, it had to happen for the synagogue ruler to reach his destination. In, this, in the process, let's call it the process of this miracle. He wouldn't have reached there. If that, that, that was essentially a word from that circumstance, my God, that circumstance spoke to him and he got, he got a rhema word out of that situation. Look, if Jesus can heal just by touching his garment, this lady, there was everything she was getting with for 12 years. I'm sure he can do something for my daughter. And we know that because if you read in the book of Mark, the account in Mark, I think it's verse 50. Um, uh, you'll see that it says he took only the, the, but two, three of his disciples. There was the core ones, Peter, James, and John, and the parents, and he kicked everyone else out. Why? Because they weren't on the right page. They weren't where they should be. They weren't, they, they were, yeah, they were not on the right page. They were not helping the situation. So he kicked them all out. And what happened was then she got healed. He kept them there. So the synagogue ruler received something from that situation and carried on going. 
Okay, so let's move from here. So what can we say now? How, how do we look at this? How do, we, how do we play this out? How do we interpret this? How do we understand this? If you're facing an impossible situation, you're facing something that you don't know the answer to, you're hitting your head against, or maybe even for years, maybe it's been 12 years. Maybe, who knows how long it's been? Maybe you've tried everything. Maybe coronavirus just crashed a whole lot of stuff, which was already difficult. Or maybe you've got some challenge and coronavirus made it worse. Whatever it is, you need to hear a word. That's what you need. God is still the God of the impossible. That's what you need today. You need a word. Let me explain to you. We're going to go to the, the book of 2 Peter. Very quickly. 2 Peter... Chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, reads as follows. It says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. This is what we need to do. So, Peter is writing it. So we have the prophetic word confirmed. You need a word from God. In this scripture, it, 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 it refers to it as a prophetic word. You need a word from God. That word can come in. God speaks in a multitude of ways. We've just seen two. He spoke through either firsthand or even secondhand preaching. Just something ignited in that lady. She maybe heard an account from her friend. Something ignited on the inside of her. And she knew this is what I need to do. That's a word from God. The synagogue ruler, he didn't even hear a word. He saw a situation. That situation just suddenly exploded on the inside of him. He's like, Jesus can do this. I know that. How else can God speak to us? I, there are many, many ways. So you can get a strong sense in your heart of something. You can have a leading. It can be while you're going throughout the day, while you're spending time in prayer. Obviously, prayer is very helpful while you're trying to hear from God. You want to press in on that. But you, it can be a leading. It can be a strong sense of something. It can be, you can be reading the Bible and, you read, and something just sparks. Something jumps out at you. And you just, there's a, either a scripture that jumps out or from a scripture, something jumps out. And you're like, that was God. Even sometimes you might not know it's God, but if something jumps out, that's an indication. That's probably God speaking. Let me just put it out there. Let me just clear it up for you. There are many other God speaks through visions. God can speak through dreams. But the reason I didn't focus on that too much is because I want to focus on the stuff which is, you know, which is the main, a lot of how God speaks to your average person out there. And that happens, as we've mentioned. So you'll get a word from God. You'll receive something. But here's the powerful thing. It says, so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Okay, before the comma, after the comma, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. My God, this is what the word does. Hey, so, so think of your, so your, the word you receive shines as a light in a dark place. If you think of your situation like, like night. And for some of you, you know what, it's not too far to have to think of it. You, it feels like night. It feels like you're midnight, the darkest hour. It's terrible. It's hard. it feels like for some of you. Some of you don't even imagine it. Some of you are living it. And this is what it says. It says, the, my God, it says the word is a light that shines in a dark place. Which you do well as a, as a, to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Sometimes the only piece of light you'll have in a dark situation, my God, is the word that God has sent you. 
Psalm 119, I think it's 105, says the word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So the word is a light. Word brings light. Hear me. Sometimes the only light you have is the word God sent you. No other light. Your parents aren't backing the situation up. Your finances aren't backing your situation up. The car is broken. Maybe the, your, 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 your kids aren't backing it up. School is not backing it up. Society is not backing it up. Coronavirus is not backing it up. What you look at when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you see, the first thing you hear, what you look at when you step out of your front door, when you look at when you go to the office, nothing is backing up that. Everything is telling you that your life is over. You are in crisis. And the situation is going to be the end of you or the death of you. or You'll never get out of it. In the midst of that situation, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, some people might encourage you something, but sometimes, all, my God, all you have is a shaft of light. That's what you need. That's what I'm telling you today. That's what you need to press for. That's what you need to push for. And you must not... Give up once you have that shaft. That shaft of light is your breakthrough. That shaft of light is your answer. That shaft of light is your deliverance. That shaft of light is your way out. That shaft of light is how to be healed from 12 years of bleeding. That, is how to, that shaft of light is how to sort out a child that's died or about a doubt. Something else in your life that's died. A situation that's died. That is how to You need a shaft of light. This morning... You, I'm, I'm going to imploring you. You have to press into God. Don't leave God until you have a shaft of light. That is your, that is your breakthrough. That is your turnaround. That is how you are going to continue to live, continue to go forward, continue to breathe. That is how whatever you, my God, whatever you are seeing, this is how you get out of it. There's no other way. Because you probably tried everything else. Maybe that's why you're listening to this broadcast this morning. Which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. God, until the day dawns and the morning star rises, you continue. You don't give up with that word. You continue with that word. You continue with it until the day dawns. Until mm, there's a breaking in that night. There's a breaking in that darkness. There's a breaking in that morning. There's a breaking in that change. You don't give up on that word. You hang on to that word. You hold on to that. You refuse to give up. Don't give up. You keep that word. I'm speaking to you this morning. You keep that word. You don't let it go. That word is your answer. It's a word from Jehovah, God Almighty, creator of the universe. My God. He has sent it to you this morning. He, he could have even spoken to you already. If not, he's going to. I'm telling you. He's busy speaking. He's going to speak. That word he's going to send. He's going to send you a shaft of light. God will not. God. He will not leave you without a shaft of light. It's not the God I serve. It's not the God I know. Every situation has a word. That is how you, 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 you raise your hand up. That is how you hook up to something higher. And, you, and that, you don't even pull yourself. That word actually lifts you up. The more you focus on that word, meditate on that word, speak that, whatever that thing is you've received, could be a principle, it could be an idea, it could be, a, could be a, a, some steps you have, whatever. The longer you keep speaking it, the longer you keep enforcing it, the longer you keep saying it, as you continue, day has to dawn. There is nothing more powerful than God. There is nothing that can stop God. The day has to dawn. If He has sent you His word, 
that brought light to this universe, the day has to dawn. It's not possible that the day cannot dawn. It's not possible that the day cannot dawn. You receive your shaft of light and it will change your life. So what we're looking at this morning, what I want to encourage you is, while you're on this process, while you are receiving your word, while you're trusting God for it, soak yourself in the word of God. It sounds simplistic. Soak yourself in the word. You need to be playing that word throughout the day. You must hear that Bible play all. So use an audio Bible while you're cooking, while you're moving, while you're getting dressed. You must be reading the Bible. You must be meditating on scripture. You must be speaking scripture. You must set, here we, listen to me. Saturate your day with the word of God while you are on this process. While you're waiting to hear from God and while you're waiting for your manifestation. But let me just go back to this verse quickly. Which you do well to heed as, a, heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The day will dawn. That's what I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell every single one of you, no matter how impossible the situation is, no God, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you are seeing, no matter what you are up against, no matter what's making you cry, no matter what's making you mourn, no matter what's making you wail, no matter what's making you want to, God, even give up, no matter what's made you even give up a couple of times before, maybe you've been in some hectic situations because you wanted to give up, you tried some things and it didn't work. I'm here to tell you, there is a word for you, until the day dawns. I guess the song says, don't give up on God, He won't give up on you. God will send you a shaft of light. It is a guarantee, it is a definite, He has ordained it, He's purposed it, and it's on His way. Until the day dawns. A, light, a shaft of light will come, the day will dawn, and don't you give up on that word. Don't you? It's an encouragement. It's not a criticism. It's an encouragement. Don't. Don't give up on that word. No matter how small it sounds, no matter how slight it is, no matter how slightly it comes, just it can be a little, just a little voice at the back somewhere. But but you believe it's God. But you're sure it's God. I'm sure this is God. If it's something positive, it's probably God. If you want to confer with someone you trust, do that. But I'm here to tell you today, God has sent you already or is sending you a word. He has done it. He's always in the process of doing it. Don't give up on God. Receive that word. Carry that word. Look at some of our past sermons on this, on this broadcast, on this channel. I'm talking about you know, faith at the womb of faith and um, various things about faith the last couple of months on how to bring a word to pass. Look at those. Keep incubating that word. Keep speaking it. God, keep holding on to it. Don't give up. Because <clears throat> that word is for you. Because God loves you. Just like he sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. For God so loved. Ryan. Jessica. <laughs> whoever it, Fritha, whoever it might be. For God so loved Christy. Uh, whoever. For God so loved whoever it is. That he sent a word. And that's the word that he's sending you this morning. Hallelujah. So, maybe we'll go quickly because I think time is moving. Let's quickly go and have a look. Um,
First Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. I'm, I'm not going to read it just for the sake of time. So First Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. Uh, it's, it's Elijah, the woman of Zarephath. Um, Zarephath, whatever you want to call it. Um, Zarephath, there we go. Um, Elijah just proclaimed a drought in the nation. Um, and he'd been told God at the beginning of verse 8, God speaks to him and says, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Go to that widow. So what he does is he travels, he goes there, he finds the widow in Sidon, which is actually outside of Israel. So it's not even, you know, with the covenant people. It's outside of Israel. So it's outside of where he normally operates, outside of where people will know him, where he's, I guess, popular or unpopular, whichever one. Because, you know, yeah. Excuse me, he did provide a, um, a proclaim a drought. So he goes to someone outside. And um, she's picking up sticks, and then he says to her, listen, can I have a, a drink of water? Um, you can read it, verse 8 to verse 16. Can I have a drink of water, she says, and, and she goes to get him, and then she's, he says, oh, can I have a small morsel of food as well? She says to him, look, we've got um, just one handful of flour and a little bit of oil. All I'm going to do is I'm going to mix them together for me and my son. We're going to eat something, then we're going to die. It's it. We're done. <laughs> And then Elijah, Elijah says, okay, no, what you had planned to do, it's fine, continue. Yeah, like, I don't know if he has a sense of humor. But anyway, so he says, but first, here's what you must do. I mean, can you imagine saying this to someone? This is hectic. So he's like, but first, give me a morsel of bread to eat. And then you can, you know, you can eat what's left. And hear the word of the Lord. Your, the bin of flour will not run out and the oil will not run out. My God, until God sends rain on the earth. That was his word to her. So in other words, this was how this widow heard a word. She got a word. Her word was go make me a, a, a cake. Go make me a piece of bread. Go make me something. That was her word. That's what she heard. So it doesn't always make sense, the word we hear. Just because it doesn't make sense, don't write off the word you receive. Don't write off the word you receive just because it doesn't make sense. So it didn't make sense. She went and did it anyway. And then he said, look, by the way, this is how it's going to work out. If you do this for me, flour, you know, oil won't run out. Now, here's just two things I need to say. Number one, she didn't know him. She didn't, she didn't even know him from a bar of soap. Like she didn't know him at all, but she still believed him. That's powerful. The second thing is um, the, the oil and the flour, he said, wasn't going to run out. So let's call it the nice thing in this situation. God doesn't always give you tell you how things are going to work out, what the conclusion will be. He might just give you the steps. So in other words, he may have just, so he is under no obligation to say, listen, the oil is not going to run the flour if you do this for me. He might just say, listen, give me a cake. So that's, so the widow was at an advantage because she got the end point. So maybe just add to her faith a little bit or whatever. But she, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not a guarantee to get that. So even if you get a bit of direction, it doesn't really make much sense. It can, it's probably still God speaking. It can still be God speaking, let me say. So um, even if it comes in a way that you're not used to. Okay, I think let's get close to closing because time is, time is moving. Another very quick, brief example is Noah's Ark. Uh, Noah obviously ascended, rose above the flood water on the word that God had given him. God said, build an ark. He said, okay, he built the ark, the rain came and he rose. He rose above a, very tra a, a situation which affected the globe, a, a prevailing global situation. He rose above it. How? By a local word that he received. You know, other people could have been part of it because he, he says he was a preacher of righteousness and they obviously ignored him and they didn't want to be, which is fine. But God spoke to Noah and said, this is what you must do. He did it and the prevailing global situation 
is what he, um, he remained on top of. He, he rose above it. So what are we saying this morning? Let me just be very clear. We are saying, we are saying, God, we need you to send us a word. Send me a word. God, I need you to send me a word which is going to enable me to rise above this global and this national situation of coronavirus and all its implications. A word that, I, that, that's going to cause me to rise up, that I'm going to use to rise above, you know, um, so then I'll be able to, what I mean by rise above is you'll be able to operate okay. This thing's not going to be holding you, limiting you, negatively affecting you. Something's going to happen which is going to neutralize the effects of coronavirus, whatever it might, could be financial, could be, it could be anything, it could be health, it doesn't matter. The second thing we trust in God for is, God, I'm trusting you a word. If there's any personal crisis I'm facing, I'm trusting you for a word that's going to cause me, that's going to bring me out of that, that's going to deal with that crisis. So this word we trust in God for essentially will cause us to rise above coronavirus and it will cause us to rise above. Um, could even be two words you receive, but we trust in God for word or words that's going to cause us to rise above coronavirus pandemic and above the personal crisis I am facing. Whatever that looks like to you, it could be anything. So that's just to be very clear what we trust in God. I'm putting my faith out there. This is what I'm trusting, and I believe that people are going to break some ceilings going forward. Hallelujah. So whether it's health, whether it's financial, whether it's emotional, whether it's um, relational, even, and as I say, when I was prepping, when I was preparing, I really felt with regards to a spiritual point of view, there might be a couple of people, one or a couple of people who are dealing with spiritual things, might be at night, might be during the day, but they're very conscious or they at least believe that it's spiritual. You know who you are that I'm speaking to. God has got a word for you which is going to break that thing. It's going to deliver you from that thing. Amen. It's going to deliver you completely from this. So keep pressing into God for a word to be able to rise above this thing. Because you're going to rise above it. You're going to move past it. You're going to see deliverance in this area and you're no longer going to be limited. Okay, before we close, I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 4 and we're going to close there. So let me just quickly summarize, bring everything together before we close. Number one, we trust in God for a word. God speaks in various ways. Um, he speaks mostly to our heart. Number one. Number two, we need to get, when once we receive that, we need to receive a word. Don't give up until you've got that word. Something, something from God to hold on to. So you need to receive a word, number one. Number two, once you've got that word, you, you hold on to it with everything you've got. Do not, do not let go of that word. Continue with that word. Focus on that word. Speak that word. Declare that word. Hang on to it. Pray that word. Whatever you need to do, just keep continuing with that word. Easiest way to do this is to keep declaring it. Keep Whatever that thing is you've received, keep declaring it. Keep declaring it. Keep declaring it. And then you also get some personal directions. You go, that's what you do. And then we're going to see, amen. We're going to see the night break, the day dawn, the light shine, the sun rise, and a new day dawn, a new day break for each one of you. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Chapter 4, we're going to close on that. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4, um, from verse 20, tw let's read from verse 22. Galatians chapter 4, from verse 22, we're going to read to 27. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a freedwoman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the freed woman, free woman, through promise. 
So what this is referring to is obviously, uh, you can even call it ideas that came up from the flesh, our natural surrounding, our natural, natural circumstances, whatever, whatever um, was available to us or whatever we thought up in our head. Not necessarily wrong, but anyway, we'll get there. And then, so it's juxtapos juxtaposed between that and then, um, and he of the free woman through promise. There was an idea or there were some steps that were taken through as a result of a word received from God. And we obviously know which one ends up better. Um, you can just go and look at Hagar and Ishmael. Um, so verse 24, which things are symbolic for these, for these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Verse 26, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So what do we want here? We see again these two things being, I guess, let's say juxtaposed. So you see, you see natural Jerusalem. There's, a, there's, some, there's natural Jerusalem, which is fleshly, which is you came up with it with your mind. You came up with it with your own circumstance, your own idea. You know, you, you saw what was around, what was available to you, and you made some decisions. And I guess if that had worked, and it's not to say that's bad in every situation. But, you know, obviously if there's a word from God, then you must go with that. But it's not to say it's bad in every situation. But if it, if it had worked... I guess we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, you wouldn't be here listening to this broadcast today. We wouldn't be having this discussion if it had worked. So obviously it hasn't worked. So look at verse 26. But the, my God, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is mother of us all. You need a word, not from natural Jerusalem, not from the things around you, the, the, the way things work, the natural world. You don't need a word from there. You need a word from the Jerusalem above. You need a word from where God is sitting in heaven. God in heaven. Looking at what Evangel Evangelist Rizani said last week. So not necessarily saying heaven is above, but you know, God's throne is exalted. So, let me just, so you, need a, you need a word from the Jerusalem which is above. That's where you need a word from. And that word's going to change your situation. That word is going to bring peace, life, health. So you need a, as it says in, in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, um, the angel I think says to John, says, come up higher. That's what we need. We need a word which is going to lift us to a position which, just like Noah and his ark, above all the flood waters, above the crisis in the world, the prevailing situation. We need a word which is going to raise us, position us above the crisis we are facing, even in a, a global and personal, very quickly. So we need a word. You've got... Jerusalem compared to Jerusalem. Finally, um, God is that word God is going to speak to you. That word God is going to speak to you. He's speaking it from heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. There's, um, there's health there. There's life there. There's prosperity there. There's peace there. From that position, He speaks to you the word. So the word will only bring health, life, peace because it's from that standpoint. It's from that place. It's from a perfect place. So he's going to speak a word to you, having taken the whole of creation into account when he speaks that word. And that word will only bring life. Verse 27, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout. Why can, why can the barren woman rejoice? Because she's received the word 
concerning a child. And that is the word she's going to run with. And that is the word she's going to go forward with. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for today. In the name of Jesus, I'm, I thank you for a word, a rhema word for every single person hearing this this morning, Lord God. Whenever they listen to this, thank you for a word, a clear word, my God, into their situation, into their circumstances. They will lift them from where they are to where they need to be. There will be a raising, Lord God. There will be a lifting, Lord God. And things will be broken. We bless you. We love you, my God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and you'd like to make a decision for him this morning, obviously everything that we've shared, you can only lay hold of something from God. And, and rise up above your prevailing situation if Jesus is the Lord of your life. He died for you. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So the first part of the relationship is obviously asking him into your heart. So if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart before, and you'd like to start a relationship with him this morning, I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, then pray this along with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you. For dying for me on the cross. I commit myself to you. I commit my heart to you. I invite you into my heart. To come be my Lord and Savior. Dear Lord Jesus. I repent. I turn away from everything I know to be wrong. And I ask you to wash away every single sin. Everything I've, I've ever done wrong. And I thank you that as I do that. I will have a fresh start today. Thank you for strengthening me and glorifying your name in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.